amazing was that? So incredible. It's something about actually hearing a real life story. Someone who, um, like a man that's faced so much trauma in his life, but has come out the other side. And I just love hearing the stories about what Jesus is doing in, in people's lives throughout our community. And uh, if, you, if you weren't here last week, last week was our Vision Sunday. So if you're new to Curate, once a year we kind of cast the vision for the year. There's a lot of prayer that goes into it about thinking, what's God calling us to as a community? And uh, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and catch up on the podcast. It was an awesome message, but, but the sense for this year is that God's calling this community into a new level of freedom, into a, a place of authentic freedom. Like We believe that God wants us fully free free from our insecurities, free from what's happened in our past, free from our yesterday, free from like uh, emotional and, and, and mental, like poor health, free, free from illness. God wants us free. You know, there's a, a scripture in the Bible that, that Jesus speaks. It says, he whom the sun sets free, and he's talking about himself, shall be free indeed, like fully free, truly free. And that's what we're believing that our community is going to experience uh, this yeah, and to put it into to school teacher terms, Jesus doesn't want you just as free as you are on the normal school holidays. He wants you as free as you are at the end of year school holidays. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a dad now, so I can get away with a few dad jokes. Um, but uh, over the course of the series, we're going to be looking at a variety of different things. We're going to be looking at a variety of different things that kind of pertain to this idea of freedom, um, exploring lots of different topics. But today I'm going to be talking about freedom from religion. Freedom from religion, and, and that might sound pretty controversial saying that in a church, but uh, let me explain. I really believe with my whole heart that Jesus came to model a different way, that Jesus came so we would be able to relate to God in a way that wasn't possible without him, that he, we would be able to relate to God free from the typical um, way of religion. And what I mean by that is that when you look at every other religion in the world, when you look at every religion in the world, it's all founded on this premise that your right standing or your relationship or your connection or your acceptance by God is based 100% on how well you're performing. It's based on 100% around how, how hard you're trying, on, on how well you're doing to appease God, on, on your behavior, on how um, morally upright you are. On, on, it's all based on you. And, and for a lot of people, that's the perception of Christianity. You know, I have conversations with my friends all the time and, and they say, isn't it just all about living like a really good life? Isn't it about just trying harder, just trying your best to, to abstain from things? Isn't it about just like um, just doing your best to, to be the best you can? Isn't it all about self-improvement? And that's the idea. That's a common, like, a common thought around Christianity. But in fact, like Christianity in its essence is actually pretty much the opposite. It's actually pretty much the opposite. It's actually realizing that in our own ability, on our own accord, through our own works, that we can never get to God, that we can never earn our way to God, that we can never meet his glorious standard. It says in the Bible that all have missed the mark, all have sinned. Everyone here, myself included, everyone carries this, this problem of brokenness and all fall short of God's glorious standard. And that on our own, we can never bridge that gap. We can never try hard enough. We can never earn it. We can never merit it. And that's why we need a savior. That's why we need a savior. So Christianity is not so much about our performance as about the performance of our savior. And we believe Jesus came into this world and lived the life that we were designed to live. 
that he lived the perfect life, that he lived the sinless life, that he modeled love, that he modeled grace, that he modeled hope, that he shared the truth, and ultimately he went to the cross willingly to, to pay for our sins, to pay for our brokenness, to pay for our shortcomings so that we could put our faith in him and we could receive his innocence. See, it's, it's Christianity is about focusing on him, not on yourself, and that's how we receive our right standing with God, but it didn't only just stop there. It didn't, even though that is so amazing, it didn't stop there. We actually believe that when we put our faith in Jesus, that, that we, we become a new creation on the inside, that our spirit that was once cut off from God is reconnected to God and we become a new creation. And, and, and we actually get a transformed heart and a transformed nature that he puts his, his spirit in us and gives us new affections and it changes us from the inside out so that we are now able to live the lives that God has called us to live. I love this quote by Paul Washer. He says this, A lot of people think that Christianity is you doing all the righteous things you hate and avoiding all the wicked things you love in order to go to heaven. No, that's a lost man with religion. A Christian is a person whose heart has been changed. They have new affections. You see, religion is all about behavior modification. It's all about external performance. It's all about putting a plaster on something that never fixes the root issue. Whereas putting your faith in Jesus is all about a heart transformation that produces the behavior. You see, religion says, do more to get to God. Faith in Jesus says, receive the fact that he's already done it for you. Religion says, earn your salvation, strive for your salvation, prove yourself. Faith in Jesus said he's already earned it for you. Religion says, focus on your sin, focus on your shortcoming, focus on your failures. Relationship with Jesus says, focus on your Savior. Religion leads to death and bondage and burnout and self-condemnation. Faith in Jesus leads to life. This is what Jesus himself said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. He's talking to a crowd of people. He said, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How amazing is that? You see, a relationship with Jesus should be marked by grace. It should be marked by rest. You know, there there are challenges and trials, but there's an abundance of grace. And and so many of us know this. So many of us have heard this message. Perhaps for you, maybe this is new to you and this is the first time you've heard this, but it can be so easy to fall back into a religious way of approaching God. I, I see it in my own life where I have this understanding in my mind that my right standing comes solely from Jesus and I'm accepted through his grace and through what he did for me and I've, I've got this grace on my life and I'm in a standing place of grace and that God's love is unconditional outside of my performance. I, I understand that, but then I see myself slipping back into performance-based Christianity, into working for God's approval, into trying harder, into like focusing on, on myself and it, it, just, it just leads to death. It leads to life. It, uh, it doesn't lead to life. It leads to like, t- to like just being tired. And the thing is, we live in a world where like, the cultural construct of this world is that you are, your, your value is based on your performance. You see it all throughout, all throughout society, like even as a kid, we're tested all through school. 
and, and, and how you do in the test is, is attributed to your value often. You see it in employment, you're rewarded based on uh, what you bring to the company, on, on how hard you work, on the skill set that you have. That's, that's you, you're rewarded based on your performance. You see it in competitive sports where the winner wins. And uh, the, the thing is, is we've got to be so careful not to like export that cultural norm into our relationship with God, because with God it's the complete opposite. And uh, so I want to talk today about five things we can do to stay free from religious bondage. The first one is this, is fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus, you know, and, and how do you do that? You, you, you have a revelation of who he is and what he's done for you. You know, it says in the Bible that while we were at our worst, while we were yet sinners, when we, when we were at our worst, that was when he was on the cross for us. We didn't do anything for him. We didn't do anything to warrant it, that he was hanging there on the cross out of love for us at our complete worst. You know, that, that he is the ultimate picture of love. He's the ultimate picture of grace. He's the ultimate picture of mercy. And we just need to fall in love with him. There's a, a scripture in John 14, 15. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. He says this. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And there's, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And there's one of two ways to read this. You can read it like this. You can read it, if you love me, you'll prove it by keeping my commands. If you love me, you'll be doing all the stuff I tell you. If you love me, you'll show it. Or you can read it like this. If you fall in love with me, my commands will be easy for you. If you just fall in love with me, I'll transform you. If you fall in love with me, you won't even have to think about my commands. And, and see, the way that we read that scripture, what side of the comma we're on, ultimately reveals like our approach to God. Is it a religious approach? Or is it based on what Jesus has done for us? And, you know, to, to give you an example about that, like I'm, I'm married to Samantha, and I can go about that relationship one of two ways. I can be like, I'm a, I'm a married man now. I've got to keep my eyes down on the ground. I can't look at any female around me. I've got to be a, a good husband. I've got to try harder. I've got to, got to be better. I've got to do, do, do. Or I could just fall in love with her. I could just fall in love with her beauty. I could just fall in love with the person she is. And everything else falls to the floor. You know, you see, it's that, that same principle is true in every area of life. I see it with, with teaching. That, that we, you can correct a kid and correct a kid and correct a kid. If you never win the heart, you're going to be facing that battle for an entire year. You probably see it in, 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 in parenting too. Like that, You can apply that principle to every area of life. That we need to fall in love with Jesus and the behavior will follow. The second thing is this, we need to serve God out of joy, not obligation. Serve God out of joy, not obligation. You know, there's two ways to serve God. There's having to and getting to. And you know, when we're serving God from a having to mindset, this is what it looks like. Oh, I have to go to church on Sunday. I'd rather go, I'd rather be out there doing something else. Oh, I have to, I have to read my Bible. I should be praying more. And it's just like, I, I think people who, who aren't Christians look at that and be like, man, that person looks miserable. <laughs> you know, like, having, like, I have to go and serve at church. I don't even want to. Like, I, I have to, I have to do this. Or we can have this, this mindset. Where it's like, I get to. Man, Jesus gave everything for me. I get to, like, there are, there are no laws and rules upon me, but I get to do this. I get to, I get to use what he's put in my hand to bless others. I get to commune with him. I get to learn about who I am. Like, I get to be part of what he's doing in this world. It's like two different approaches to God. In Galatians 4, 7, it says this. It says, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. That when we put our faith 
in Jesus that, that we, we get this positional place of being sons and daughters of God, but so many of us still serve him out of, like from a servant mentality. You know, like a, the difference between a servant and a son or daughter, like daughter, a servant serves because he has to. He has to please the master. He has to do the task that has been assigned to him. But like a son or a daughter serves because they know how much, they know the love of the father. They know the father and they, they just want to, out of a transformed heart, they, they want to serve him. They want to contribute. So we need to serve God from a place of joy, not obligation. The third one is this, is we need to know where our identity comes from. We need to know where our identity comes from. Like we act out of the way we see ourselves. We, how we see ourselves will ultimately determine how we act. Like our identity is so important, how we identify. And, and typically over the course of life, our, our identity will, will, will be formed over the course of life, will be formed by the upbringing we've had. It'll be formed by like um, experiences that we've had throughout life. It'll be uh, formed through like emotions that we've experienced at certain times, like significant life events, like the, the way we see the world, the way we've been taught through culture, our school, schooling, our identities formed over a course of time. But the fact is, is that when you put your faith in Jesus, you get given a new identity. You get given a new identity. You no longer have to be defined by your past experience. You no longer have to be defined by uh, the mental health you've had. You've, you no longer have to be defined by, um, yeah, by past hurt, by, by shame, by guilt. You get given this new identity in Jesus. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You know, and that new identity is this, it is that you're in a constant standing place of grace that you are now a son or a child of God, that you, you, uh, you have unconditional love, that before God you are without a single fault, that in your spirit, which is the core part of who you are, that, that you are completely forgiven, that you are completely new, that you have new affections, that you have a new nature, that, that your spirit is geared towards love and peace and joy, that, that, that you are more than a conqueror. That, 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 is, that is the new identity. And as we believe that and as we cling to that and as we feed on that, it, we start to live it out. You know, the, the Christian life, it's actually about believing who you are. It's actually about believing what Jesus has done for you. It's about believing in the new identity that he's given you. It says in John 8.32, this is Jesus speaking, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, it's knowing the truth and believing the truth that sets you free. You know, if you'll put your faith in Jesus and you're experiencing shame, the truth is, is that he's taken all of that shame and you are completely forgiven and you are new. If you're feeling less than, you are more than enough. If you're feeling unworthy, it says that while you're at your worst, he made you worthy that he chose you before the foundation of the world. That, that is the truth. And it's in believing those new identity statements that, that brings freedom. I love this quote by a guy called Joseph Prince. He says, right believing leads to right living. You know, notice it doesn't say that, like right trying harder leads to right living. Like the, the, the common one is, right, I'm, I'm just working on myself. Right working on yourself leads to right living, like right um, forming better habits. No, it's right believing because we act out of our beliefs. The fourth thing is this, is we need to respond to all sin with life. And sin's just another word for missing the mark, for, 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 for missing the mark. And, and like throughout this course of life, we're going to make mistakes. Like I royally make mistakes every week. 
We're all going to make mistakes. Like we get given this new identity. We get, we get given this, this new nature that is geared towards doing the right thing. But we mature in that over time. And none of us are going to reach perfection this side of eternity. I know that's some people's theology, but I, I just don't believe it and I've never seen it. Um, that we, we aren't going to reach perfection. So we need to have grace. When, when we do fall short, when we do miss the mark, you know, it says in Romans 8, 1, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You know, there is no condemnation like Jesus has borne not only our past sins, but our present and our future sins. That, that there is no condemnation, that there is, is not a single sense of condemnation, that there may be a conviction where God says, hey, this is, this is who you really are, this thing in your life, like, let's work on that together, like, this is the way out, but there's not condemnation because condemnation attacks your identity. Condemnation says, this is who you are, you're, you're just worthless, you're never going to get through this. And, and if you're hearing that voice, that is not the voice of God because there's no condemnation. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. And if you, you haven't heard of this story, um, basically the story goes like this, that a woman was caught in adultery, literally in the act, which probably wouldn't have been that pleasant, but, um, and the religious leaders of the time seized her and they brought her before Jesus and it says they, they brought her before her and they said, teacher, teacher, the law that we live under says that because this woman has been caught in adultery, she should be stoned under the law. That was the, the Jewish law that they operated under that time. And, um, and they said, what do you say that we should do to her? And, and they thought they had him. They thought they had him. They, they, they really did. They thought they had him because if he said, no, no, we'll let her go, he would be breaking the law. But if he said, oh, we should, we, we should stone her, then, um, then he would have condoned the death of a woman. So they thought they had her. And it, it says that when he heard this, he stooped down and he was riding in the sand. And I've heard other people joke that he was riding their mistresses in the sand, that he was riding <laughs> Sally and Monica and <laughs> Veronica. <laughs> um, and, uh, and anyway... Um, they kind of, yeah, they said, what should we do with her? And it says that eventually he got back up and he said, okay then, but he who is without sin, let him throw the first stone. Let him cast the first stone. And it says slowly, one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they all left. And it was just the woman standing there. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? Do not any condemn you? And she said, no, Lord, they've all left. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and leave your life of sin. And that's how Jesus responds to us. There's grace. There's grace. But notice, notice that there was also truth. That, that, that the polar teaching of that is that God doesn't care about what we do. It's all grace. But that's simply not true. It's, there was grace. There was, hey, I don't condemn you. But let's get back on the right path. Come with me. And if, no matter how many times we come to God, if we've got a soft heart, he'll give us grace and then he'll also extend truth. You know, and that's how we have to relate to ourselves and to others. There's grace and there's truth. The final thing is this. We need to keep ourselves from going back. We need to keep ourselves from going back. Like, we need to cling to this new approach to God. We need to, like, stand strong in the standing place of grace because, like, we can be like Tarzan swinging between these two approaches where one day we're living in grace and, and we're, we're focused on Jesus and then the next day we're, we're sort of just focused on our own performance and, like, we need to stay strong in His grace. You know, when, we, when you first, often when you first become a Christian, I know, like, for me, my experience was like, man, like, Jesus did that for me? 
and like I, I didn't do anything to earn it while I was at my worst. It's like almost too good to be true and it's just this, this like this time of just receiving and then all of a sudden I, I can see that I flipped over and it started being all about me. But, it, but, it, but the fact is it says that in our faith we go from grace to grace. We go from faith to faith, that, that the way that we started is the way that we carry on. This is what Paul would say to, to a Galatian church he was pastoring. And, and they had started out in this way of relating to Jesus in the right way, and they had slipped back into looking at themselves and looking at performance. And he says this, he says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. So take your stand. Never again go back to that old way of relating to God. Never let anyone put external performance measures on you because Christ has set you free from that. You know, if I could have the worship team up. You know, this, uh, this year, like, let's do that together. You know, I really believe this is a pillar for freedom. I, I believe this is almost the foundation of freedom that until we get this, that, that there isn't a foundation to build on. So this year, like, let's, let's go on that journey. Let's know that, let's just fall in love with Jesus. Let's fall in the one that gave it all for us. Let's fall in love with the one that has all the answers. Let's fall in love with his grace. Let's know our identity's fixed outside of performance. You know, let's respond to, to, to sin and shortcoming with life, with grace and truth. Let's guard our hearts from going back. Let's serve God from a posture of joy, of, of getting to do it of getting to do it. And, and I really believe if we do that as a community, like we'll look completely different, that there'll be much more joy. There'll be much more uh, liberty. And if we could all stand to our feet. Maybe you're here this morning and, and what I'm saying is completely new to you. Um, I just want to let you know that I believe you're here for a reason. I believe that God loves you so much. I believe that, that while you were at your worst, that's when Jesus hung on the cross for you, that he gave himself for you, that he loves you so much, that, that you're not here by accident, that, that your, your life does have a purpose, that you were made, that you were designed, that you were thought of, that you were dreamt of by a loving God that loves you so much. And I believe Jesus came for you, that even though that we would turn from him, he would pursue after us in his reckless love. And that he died for you. He died for you personally. He died for you so that you would be forgiven, so that you would have connection with God. He would die so that you would have your grace. But the truth is, is, is he, he died to set you free from your sins, to set me free from my sins. And that it says in the Bible that that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through him. That, that we believe here that there, there is an eternity, that there is an eternity, that there is a heaven, and there's a hell. And those are eternal destinations, they're eternal realities. And the only way to be accepted by God is putting your faith in Jesus, is putting your faith in Jesus, is receiving his grace. And if you're here today and you haven't do that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to, to raise your hand if you're wanting to take that step today. And, and what you're saying and doing that, you're just saying, man, I, I can identify with this problem. I, I carry this brokenness. Like It says that everyone has sinned and fall short, so fallen short of the glory of God. You know, I don't even meet my own standard. How much more would I meet the standard of a holy God? 
And the next thing you're saying is you're saying, man, I receive the grace that Jesus has given me. I don't have to earn it, I receive it. And finally, you're saying, I'm going to turn my life and I'm going to follow the one who gave everything for me with my whole heart. So if we could all bow our heads. Is there anyone here this morning that that wants to make that decision? Is there anyone here today that wants to, to put their faith in Jesus? Awesome, let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your amazing love. Thank you that you died for me. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. Transform me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen.